In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of all ages, amen. If I was going to give a title to today's talk, I would call it God Speak. What does the voice of God really sound like? Um, and we've been talking about hearing the voice of God for, for three or four weeks now, and we've been talking about how hearing God is... Um, is really about a disposition, it's about an attitude, it's about a life, it's about, it's about living a life of obedience that's ready to do anything that God would call you to do before, you, before God even asks. That when God says, I say, here I am, Lord, I'm ready to do, yes, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. There's this beautiful um, response to when somebody asks you to do something in, in Arabic, um, and it doesn't translate well, and it's it's hader. Hader means literally means present. You know, like you know, a teacher is taking presence. You know, here present. The point is saying, I am present to you. Command me. I'm present. I'm here. I'm yours. I'm at your disposable. Your disposal. I guess the expression we would use is, your wish is my command, right? I don't even know what you're going to ask, but I'm I'm ready to do it. That's the heart that can hear God very clearly, and that's what we've been talking about, and that's what we've been talking about all this time. And I want to tell you that God is speaking. We don't have to, God isn't waiting for his opportunity to speak. God is finding every opportunity to wiggle in through any, through any little nook and craggy in your, in your life to speak to you. Um, and you know, he's, sometimes he's flashing billboards at us, and then sometimes he's whispering in our ears, and we're going to talk about all those different things now. And God wants to speak to us. God wants to have a relationship with us. There can't be some kind of living relationship with somebody unless, um, um, there can't be a really living relationship with somebody unless Unless you, uh, unless, you, unless you communicate with them. There has to be some kind of communication. To think that God is up in the sky and we are down here and he's living his life and we're living ours and he wants to have a relationship with us but he chooses to kind of live this parallel life up in the sky would, would, be, would be ridiculous. Either he doesn't want to have a relationship with us, he's perfectly happy with us, Living, dying, suffering, having a good life, having a bad life, doesn't matter. You do you. Whatever happens to you, happens to you. And I'm going to do my thing. And then thus he can live just parallel to us. Or if he wants to be involved in our lives, then there must be some form of connection, some form of communication. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he's just kind of up, up in the sky. And last week we talked about how there's just too much noise. There's too many competing sounds. And we talked about how if, 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 um, if you know, the, the, the queen in, of England was trying to get people's attention, like she wouldn't stand on her throne and start waving her hands and saying, folks, listen to me, listen to me, right? That doesn't make sense. He's the king of the universe, right? And he will, he will speak in the, proper, um, in, the, in the proper decorum, right? So that God will speak, and God is speaking, but he's speaking, and there's a, just a little bit too much, there's just a little bit too much noise for, for us to be able to hear him clearly. And so what's the solution? We talked about this a little bit yesterday, that uh, last week, pardon me, is that we just need to dial down the noise on, on the self, 
dial down the noise on the world and dial down the noise on the devil. And if you missed that, don't worry about it. You can catch it on YouTube. But for now, we're going to go to the, our next topic. So last week we said there's four influences upon us. There's God, there's the devil, there's the world, and ourselves. And we talked about how the solution to being able to hear God more clearly is to dial down the volume on the other three. The world, the devil, and ourselves. Right? And that's generally through self-denial and an emptying of ourselves and fleeing from the world and fleeing from the devil and retreat to God. So self-denial and retreat, those were the two kind of positive things we took out of last week that make the voice of God just pop. So when the voice of God pops and all of a sudden you can hear him, what are you going to hear? Are you going to hear an audible sound in your ear? Is it going to be the sound of a man, a woman, a child, uh, an elderly person? Is Does God speak quickly or does he speak slowly? Or what does the voice of God sound like? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The voice of God comes to us in four different ways. Often, 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 I'm not here to limit God. He's free to do whatever he wants, and he's not bound to speak to us in these four ways. But in general, it's going to be one of these four ways. One is this nudging in your heart. You get this, this, this nudging in your heart, this I, I, I'm hesitant to say the word feeling because I feel all kinds of things and that's a mess of its own, our feelings. We'll talk about that some other time. We were supposed to talk about that, that the Lent that COVID happened. We were launching a series called Feelings and all of a sudden COVID happened and everything went bonkers, but we've, we have that on, on record and so we can do that again sometime. Eight different feelings that we all feel and how to deal with them. But this nudging in our hearts, he speaks to us through scripture, through, through the Bible, through the lives of the saints, the liturgical texts, through all that the Holy Spirit has scripted, has inspired men and women like you and me, through his inspiration to write. That's what we mean by Holy Scripture, not only the Bible. Spiritual guidance and the sign of an open door. So let's start with the nudging of the heart. Last week I referenced Elijah the prophet who was hiding in, in, in the mountain, who was running for his life. He had just done the contest on Mount Carmel. He gathered the priests of Baal and he told them, okay, let's see who's the true God, your God or my God, right? And we're going to do this contest and whoever wins, their God is the true God, right? And it's like a fight to the death. Okay, I'm willing to put my blood on the line that my God is the true God and fire will come down from heaven and accept the offerings. So they offer their offerings and Elijah kind of makes fun of them when, when Baal doesn't send fire from heaven for their offering. And he tells them, oh, maybe he's sick. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's at one point he says, maybe he's indisposed. It means he's like in the washroom, you know. <laughs> They'd been at it for like five hours or something. What's he been doing in the washroom for five hours? God would only know, right? In any event, right, he makes fun of them. Scripture is full of these cheeky things if you, if you read between the lines. In any event, right, then he prays. He douses his altar. Look at the cockiness, you know. He douses his altar with water. He floods it with water, right, to say, like, I'm going to prove to you that this isn't like a magic show, that this is God, right? 
and he digs a ditch around the altar and he floods it with water. So it's soaking the wood. There's no way the wood will catch fire, right? And he prays and God sends fire down from heaven and then he slays all the priests of Baal. So Jezebel goes bonkers because he killed all of her priests. So what does she do? She puts a price on his head. She puts a price on his head. So what does he do? He runs for his life. All Elijah ever wanted was that the people of Israel would believe in God. That's all he ever wanted. That's all he, that's all he forget, forget the screen, doesn't matter, right? That's all he ever wanted, right? And now he runs for his life. He becomes suicidal. His Lord, take my life from me and all of this, right? That was the moment that he was so courageous up until that moment, right? And he runs for his life. And as he runs for his life, he, uh, he goes and he hides in, he goes and he hides in a cave. And in the cave where he's hiding, he hears the voice of God tell him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him. So this is, that's what we can expect. A still, small voice. Voice. You know, the people of Israel in Jesus' time, they expected the Messiah to come riding on a horse, a real hero that would save them from the Romans. They had, they had some ideas. They had some fantasies. What's your idea? What's your fantasy? Because if your idea and your fantasy of what the voice of God will sound like in your life is different from what it is, you might miss him. Because they missed him when he came humble and lowly on a donkey on Palm Sunday. They missed him, you know, because they, they said, this isn't, something's not right here. He's supposed to, he's supposed to free us from the Romans. Yes, he's going to free you. He's going to free you from something far greater than the Romans. He's going to free you from the ultimate enemy called death, right? And so that was, so that was, that was the issue. The issue was good people missed him because they didn't, they didn't know what they were expecting. So let us look and see what, what should we expect. The voice of God is surprisingly simple. Simple here is understood, I'm saying it in the literal sense, simple as to like the opposite of duplicate. The voice of God is always simple. It's always one thing. If somebody tells you something and then they tell you something else about the same topic, what would you say that person is? Confused, right? Because one, one minute they're of this mind, and the next minute they're of that mind. So what's going on with that, right? You know, do they, maybe they don't know what their, you know, what their opinion is. They don't know what they think of this. They don't know. God knows, though. God's voice is often surprisingly obvious. It's often right there out in the open. Oftentimes he tells me something that he's been telling me, all this time, all along, he's been telling me, it's not such a good idea, it's not such a good idea, it's not such a good idea, right? Often, can I tell you the truth? Like, often I try to hide from God's voice. We're all thinking, okay, 
I'm like, you know, a detective, you know, and I'm on, I'm sleuthing out God's voice. I'm the one looking for God. No, this is so anti-biblical. God is the one looking for us. God is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes for the lost. God is the one telling us the story about the, the woman who had received these 10 coins as a wedding gift and she lost one of them and she lit all the lamps and swept the house until she found it. God is te telling us about the prodigal son that the father sits, you know, waiting for him outside the town, looking for him, waiting for him. God is the one seeking you. You believe that. You believe that. I know you already believe that God is the one seeking you. But somehow you think you're the one who has to chase God to hear his voice. Aren't those two things contradictory? They are. No, the truth is that God is seeking you. God is chasing after you and he's chasing after me. But I'm very distracted. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm kind of here and there and so on. And God is the one who's chasing me. Like that little intro video. That's why I liked it so much. Well, all the post-it notes. It's like God is chasing him all through his day, trying to get through to him, putting messages for him where he can see them. But he's got his headphones in, right? Metaphorical headphones, right? A personal rule of thumb. What are you hiding from today? This is my personal rule of thumb, okay? So take this with a grain of salt. This isn't like the early church fathers. St. Macarius once said, this is like just John, okay? This is just me, okay? And this is just how I deal with it. But what am I hiding from? What do I not want to think about? I don't want to address it. Something in my marriage, something about parenting our kids, something about our home, our finances, or this or that, something about church service, something about my personal relationship with God. What is, it, what is it that I'm kind of avoiding? I bet you God is right there. I bet you that's what God is talking about when you can't hear him. And because I'm avoiding that topic, I say, I can't hear God. Here's another thing. I oftentimes am asking God a question. I really need to know what to do about this particular issue and who better to ask than God. So I'm asking God about this. God is talking to me about that. Either I conclude that God is not speaking to me because he's not answering my question, or if I hear him talking to me about some other topic when I'm asking him about this, I think to myself, God, dude, you're so like ADHD. Like, focus here. We're talking about this, not that. In those moments, I literally in my prayers, okay, don't make fun of me. I literally in my prayers sometimes tell God, God, focus, focus. We'll finish this, then we'll talk about that. In those moments, I always take a step back and think to myself, did I just tell God to focus? Did I just tell God to get with my program? Like, get with the program, God. Whose program? My program. You see how backwards it is? You see that that's why we can't hear God. Because in my little paradigm, I'm the master and he's the servant. And he should listen to me. You know, when I talk, he should listen. So it's... it's it's, and we just, once we just, once we just kind of shift these things around and say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Once we just shift things around and say, let it be to me according to your word. Here I am, the maidservant of the Lord, says St. Mary to the Archangel Gabriel. Let it be to me according to your word. All examples we've shared throughout the series. Once, once we, once we, and that's why we spent three weeks talking about attitude and behavior and all of that. And only today we're talking about technique. Because really, it's, it's, just, about, it's just about getting our hearts right. And then all of a sudden, you hear them loud and you think to yourself, that was you all along, God? I could hear that. I thought that was elevator music. That was you. That was God.
what am I least inclined to do? Like when I have options A, B, C, and D to an issue and I don't know what to do, I'm always suspicious of myself that, that whatever it is I don't want to do, if God told me to do that, I would be like, I can't hear him. I can't hear him. I can't hear God. So I'm always very quick to ask myself, what am I least inclined towards? And it doesn't mean that God is choosing that thing, but I, I'm, I try to have an extra attention towards that in case God is calling me to do that thing and I am purposefully pretending like I can't hear him. Next up, that's the nudging of the heart. And God is nudging us in our hearts all day long. God is not waiting for an invitation. He is nudging us in our hearts all day long. And you will get a hundred nudgings about the same thing. But then you'll open, you'll open the Bible to do your quiet time. You will, you will be reading some story of some saint and you'll open up there. You'll come and stand in the liturgy and you'll hear the liturgical texts. You'll hear the words. You'll open your igbeya and you'll be praying a litany. And all of a sudden, you'll hear the little voice that you heard inside you that you didn't know. Was that, is, that, is that me? Is that my... It sounds like Sometimes it sounds like the voice of my mom in my head, you know? Don't tell her I said that. She'll think that she was a success, you know? Right? Um, you know, it, it, like, I, I, I don't know. Was that God? Was that... I'm not so sure. And then all of a sudden, the very same words, the very same words that were spoken in my heart I find them in scripture. I find them in the Igbeya. I find them in the lives of the saints. I find them in the liturgical text. I find, I find the, words that, the words that the Holy Spirit spoke to other people and inspired them and they wrote them down and they scripted them, hence Holy Scripture, right? That, that which the Holy Spirit has allowed to be scripted, Holy Scripture, right? has all of a sudden, what was in my heart is like on, is on, is on paper. I started, uh, you know, a friendship with my now wife. Um, and uh, I really didn't know what God wanted me to do with that. And I decided, you know what, I'm not going to ruin this girl's life. Like, I'm not going to, like, lead her on at all or anything. And I made a real effort to kind of keep a very um, uh, clear distance from her. And then I'm sitting in Holy Week reading my Bible. You know, in Holy Week, I always tell you, try to read all four Gospels. And I'm reading the Gospel of Matthew. And in the, in the, the second half of the first chapter, you know, chapter one, the angel appears to, 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 to Joseph, right? And he says to him, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And I'm like, come on, God. <laughs> like, please, right? How many times have I read this and how many other Marys have I met? You know, I, I haven't married all of them. Come on, this is kind of ridiculous, right? And I kept reading. And every time I keep reading, the little voice inside me tells me, you're missing the point here, buddy. You're missing the point. You're missing that. And I'd go back to it and be like, come on. This is ridiculous. Like, it, you can't be this obvious, right? He, the angel literally tells him, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Here we are, 11 years later, 12 years later, 11 years later. I'll tell you what I did with that. I didn't just go buy a ring. 
I still thought either I was crazy or God was crazy, but this whole thing was crazy. You're not going to marry somebody because you opened, you know, to read your Bible as you always do during Holy Week, and all of a sudden it says, marry this person. What if I opened up an Esther or something? You know, what if I, right? Like, you know, like, I'm not going to like, this isn't Russian roulette here. You only get to marry once, you know? What's going on with this, right? So I parked that. I said, you know what? I'm here for Holy Week. I'm not going to think about this. This isn't what I'm going to think about. I'm just going to think about God. Then, of course, on Good Friday, God assaulted me again with more Mary references as Jesus was on the cross. But that's, and you know, I'll tell you what happened with it after that. Scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I promise you, open your Bible and read. And if you read for long enough, what you've been hearing in your heart will get confirmed. Will get confirmed by what you, by what you read. Open your Igbeya. We have these beautiful books here called the Book of Saints. We've got like hundreds of them, right? I love that book. I read that book every night. I read a story from that book every night for like 20 years. Grab one before you leave today. Read the lives of the saints. You'll find, you'll find, I promise you, the voice that you, you've been hearing all along, but you just didn't know it was God. You'll find it in writing and you'll be, your eyes will go this big. Totally bug out. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Then in Proverbs, the third way now, so the nudging of the heart, scripture, the third way is in spiritual guidance. Again, confirmation in spiritual guidance. People come up to me all the time and ask me, Father John, you hear God. What does God want me to do about this? I can tell you the truth, 99.9% .9 of the time, there may have been one or two exceptions where God actually told me what he wants somebody else to do. Why? Because he doesn't want to have a relationship with you through me. Do I want to have a relationship with my wife through you? No, thank you. You know, our bedroom is for us only. We don't need your help, right? God wants to have an intimate relationship with you alone. No um, spectators, nobody else involved. So where does spiritual guidance come into play? Spiritual guidance comes into play in, again, confirmation. Like scripture was confirmation of the nudging of the heart, so spiritual guidance can be confirmation. So I waited for Holy Week to be over and so on. And on Easter morning, I, I, uh, Easter afternoon, I went over to my spiritual father's house. What a lovely man. I'm just thinking now, it's Easter. And I called him up. Hey, can I come over? He's like, sure. It's Easter. Give the dude a break. He's been at church for like nine days, two services a day. Haram alik. Anyways, sure, he says. I go over and I tell him, look, Abuna, this isn't like our usual kind of MO, but I want to tell you about this girl. He goes, tell me. And so I told him. And I told him, I, I, I knew like I was going to say, like England, overseas, this, that. I've only met her once. I've never met her parents. I, have not, I don't know anything about her family. And he was just going to say, like, look, like, there's lots of, because all the time he'd tell me, there's lots of beautiful girls in our church here. What, why are you, what are you doing in Vancouver? Come back to Montreal. Marry somebody here. Start a family. You know, like he'd say that to me all the time, right? So I'm telling him about this girl in Vancouver. I've met her once. I don't know anything about her. I don't know anything about her family. I don't know anything about anything. And he says to me, sounds like a good idea. Why don't you, why don't you look into that more? So I said, Abuna must be exhausted. It's been all Holy Week. I don't know what, I don't know what he's up to. Uh, the incense got to him, whatever. So late, later, later in the day, later in the day, we had like, we'd have like an Easter um, 
celebration. And so the, the, uh, another priest was there. And this man is honestly clairvoyant. This man really, really is, he's, they're, they're both very, very holy men. But this man, this man would tell you, like, you're going to pass your exam and you're going to get over 80. And you'd get like an 82. He was really just, just from another world, Abuna Yusuf. Anyway, so I go to Abuna Yusuf, Father Joseph, and I ask him, expecting the same thing. Marry somebody from Montreal, start a family. Your, your wife, your sister are here. Everybody's here. What are you going to marry? Are you going to take her from her family in England? And he says to me, look, he, starts, he opens his Bible and he starts quoting to me from Proverbs 31. And he tells me, it sounds like, I didn't tell him anything. I told him his, her name was Mary. He tells me, she sounds like she's a description of this. Do that. Completely out of character for both of them. So I had a nudging in my heart. I heard something in scripture. I went and sought spiritual guidance, and it's all these things are lining up, right? All of these things are lining up. You can do the same. Proverbs says, Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice, make war. It also says, Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. The last thing is signs. 90% of the time, when people want to know what God wants for them, they ask for a sign. I think I heard, I can't remember who it was, Abuna Dawud Lamai or somebody else say about signs. Say that we use sign language to speak, to communicate with people who are either hearing impaired or speech impaired. You are not hearing impaired, and God is not speech impaired. So why are you seeking a sign? Why are you seeking a sign? God wants to speak with you. He wants to speak with you. He can speak. You can listen. Why does he need to use sign language? He doesn't need to use sign language. Occasionally, he does use signs. Ever so occasionally. And the most common sign that God uses is the sign of the open door. The sign of the open door, if I had to kind of like, if I was a cinematographer and I had to kind of show you, you know, like a scene of what a scene of an open door is, it's like this. I'm sure, I hope you haven't had too many experiences like this in life, but we've all had a few where you're standing in a hallway and there's a bunch of doors. Maybe there's only one or two or three. But anyways, all the doors are closed. And so you go and you try one door. Yeah, just to see. You're not necessarily going to walk through it, but you just want to see if it'll open, right? And it's locked. And you try the next one, it's locked. And you try this one, it's locked. Eh? And you're standing in this hallway, and after some time, you've tried all the doors, and all the doors are closed. So then you're like, well, maybe I need to try a little harder. So try a little harder. You know, you put some elbow grease into it. You try your shoulder, and... All the doors are closed. As you begin to despair and kind of give up standing in this hallway, and there's sort of no way out, right? You're starting to feel trapped. All of a sudden, the door in front of you just opens by itself. So you peek through, and you see another hallway with a door at the end of it. You're like, oh, no, no, no. We've seen this one before. And before you cross the threshold, of the, of the now open door, the door on the, that you can see through the doorway, that one opens. So you look a little bit further, and there's another hallway with another door, and that one opens. And before, bef before long, as you're looking through, as far as the eye can see, all the doors have opened. And you're like, what a feast or famine in this place? 
20 minutes ago, all the doors were locked, everything was closed, there was no way out, I was feeling trapped, I was getting claustrophobic, I was looking for the emergency panic button in the elevator, and then the doors are just opening, boom, 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 one after another, like a domino rally, what's going on? What's going on with this, right? When we came to buy this church, that's what happened. Man, we were so fed up of renting. We get kicked out of here, and we never got kicked out of anywhere, actually, to be honest with you. But we would, like, month by month, we would give our schedule, or, or every six months, or every whatever, depending on the place, we would give our schedule to the people we were renting from. So we could, like, book our services, right? And no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Okay, you have to pray. You have to pray this Holy Week service here, and that Holy Week service there, and this is in the church, and that's in the rectory, and you're making too much noise, and right? And it's like, I get it. I get it. We're tenants, so, you know, we want to you know, respect everybody around us, but man, it was painful. It was painful. And years, five years of, of renting and four, four years of renting, and we, we were at our wits end. We would literally, me and some of the youth, we would scour the city for churches that looked like, you know, kind of closed-ish, and we would call them and harass them and, and try to find, like, you know, hey, like, you know, um, and we didn't have any money in the bank. It's not like we thought we could buy anything, but we figured maybe we'll find something maybe God will send. This church came up on the market, this building came up on the market, and I was getting ready for the early Thursday morning liturgy at that time. It was Thursdays, now it's Wednesdays, right? And so, you know, I'm wake up in the morning, what do we all do? We go through our notifications from the middle of the night. Real estate um, listings get posted around 2 a.m. It's 4 a.m. 4 a.m. I see this listing, right? So I wake Mary up, poor Mary, and I tell her, look at this listing. You know, do you think this is good? I think this is good, right? And she says, yeah, it looks good. So I send a message to a whole bunch of people. I'm like, look, like free up some time around lunchtime. I'm going to try to, there's a, sh a showing, I'm going to try to get us a showing of a church. I gathered somehow 20, 30 people and they all came and we checked out this church. Everybody loved it. So I was worried that maybe some people won't like it. Maybe this, maybe that. Maybe it's not a good idea to take too many people's opinion. Everybody loved it. Then, you know, we had to get financing. We had $44,000 at the bank. We had $44,000 in the bank. The, the list price was 2.53, which is what we offered and what we got it for. The dirt is worth more than 2.53 million. In any event, right, we had financial statements for six months. Like, it's a joke. It was a, literally a joke. Um, the next day after we saw the, the property and we put in an offer on the same day, two other people had put in offers. We got a phone call back from the church telling us, we want to meet you because we got two other offers. We're like, okay, meet us on the holiday Monday. It was a, a family day um, uh, civic holiday. It was August, like an August first-ish kind of first Monday of August. So we come in on the on the on the holiday Monday and we meet them. We're telling them about their ask. Tell us about your church and what you do. And so we're telling them about like you know our evangelism programs and they loved it. We had like a literally an hour and a half conversation about evangelism and so on. So they told us, look, we have two other offers. One of them is higher and one of them is the same, but that their terms are better. So, but we want to sell to you. So get your finances in order this week and like, let's get this done. So all of that's very positive, but how are we going to get our finances in order? Like who's going to lend money to it anyways? So um, the next day, so the, the Tuesday, I get a phone call from a random bank. Never heard of this bank, Ukrainian Credit Union, calls me up. 
and says, we heard you put in an offer on church. I'm like, yeah. They're like, we'd like to offer you a mortgage. I'm like, sure. <laughs> don't, don't say anything. Just take it, right? Shut up and take it, right? So I'm like, sure, that would be wonderful. Um, you know, like, where do I sign kind of thing, right? And they're like, well, you know, we need like your last three years of financial statements. I'm like, we have six months. They're like, it's okay. Give us the six months. I'm like, and you know, you're going to have to have like at least, I can't remember what it was, like 20% in the bank. And then you need to raise another 15% above that. I'm like, we have $44,000 in the bank. They're like, oh, do you think you're going to be able to get the down payment together? I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll be able to. They're like, okay, fine. Don't worry about it. Right. And then, and then I played stupid commercial mortgages. Usually, like you can borrow up, up, up to about 60%. Sometimes they stretch it to two thirds of the value. The loan to value ratio is never more than about two thirds, 60%. I'm not a banker. Maybe some of you know more about this. Commercial lending is different from residential lending. Let's call it that, right? So commercial real estate, you can, you can borrow up to 80%. Resident, commercial, you can only borrow, you can borrow less. Freaking let me play stupid and like just pretend like I don't know anything about commercial real estate. So I'm like, okay, so you know, it's like 2.53 and this and that. So maybe you know, you could give us like a two million dollar mortgage, you know, it should be about 80 percent. And uh, there's like this pause quiet on the other side of the phone. I just told them we have no financial statements, we have no money in the bank, and now I'm right, I'm like, but like, you know, you don't ask, you don't get, right? And uh, the lady on the phone says, Let me get back to you. She calls me back after lunch and she says sure we'll lend you 80 percent i'm like well you know what we're going to do all this fundraising so i'm not 100 percent sure we want a two million dollar mortgage what if we raise a lot of the money and then we don't need two million dollars what if you give us a million dollar mortgage and a million dollar line of credit how would that sound she's like oh we've never really done that before but let me ask <laughs> she calls me back the next day now we're like what wednesday morning and she's like sure but send us your financial statements. And I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you're not going to talk to me. You're going to stop saying sure. <laughs> well, we ended up getting the mortgage from the Ukrainian Credit Union. We've had a wonderful relationship with them. And um, they turned out to be really Christian, wonderful people. They make a, a significant donation to the church every Christmas, our church every Christmas. Um, uh, and just we've had a wonderful with everything going on in Ukraine. We've tried to be supportive to them and so on. I mean, the sign of the open door, like at first, everything is closed. Four years of everything is closed. Everything is closed. Everything is closed. Then when God opens the doors one after another, after another, I have to tell you, like, I'm, I'm not the most courageous person in the world. Like, I, I, I'd never borrowed $2 million before personally. Maybe some of you have, but I hadn't. Not at that point in my life. And I was a little, I was the one who was like, God, slow down. Like, I, like, my, you know, my blood pressure can't handle this. Like, one, you know, you got a good plan, but like, pace, pace me here, you know? And God was just running with it. And look, I'm, I'm going to run with it. And if you, you know, if you can, if, keep up with me. There's a beautiful story. We're running thin on time, um, but I'll just tell, tell you about it, and you can read it on your own, or another time you can look for it. In 1 Samuel 14, where Jonathan and his armor bearer go, and they find that there's Philistines um, 
that are camped out somewhere. And Jonathan goes with his armor bearer and he says, let's go and see if God will deliver them into our hand. And they huddle down and Jonathan says to his armor bearer, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to shout out to them. And if they say, who's there, come out, then we will go to them. And God has delivered them into our hands. But if they say, stay where you are, we will come to you, then we'll run for our lives because God has not delivered them into our hands. And, you know, they go and they shout and, 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 then, and then the Philistines say, come, come to us. So he says to his armor bearer, are you with me? You know, like God is going to deliver them into our hands and they go and they, and just him and his armor bearer and they, they slay the whole, uh, that, that whole battalion and God gives them a great victory. So God, God does use signs, but God wants to, to, to speak with you probably in the order that I presented these things, the nudging in the heart, scripture, confirmation through spiritual guidance. And lastly, sometimes, occasionally, occasionally the sign of the open door. Stop looking for signs. Stop looking for signs. Start listening and let's get our lives in order. In conclusion, God wants you to know his will. He, he, God does, takes no pleasure in being mysterious or enigmatic. God, God doesn't, doesn't want to surprise you. He, he wants to share with you, wants to have an intimate relationship with you and with me. God has given us his spirit as a guarantee, says St. Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Flee from the devil, flee from the world, flee from, from yourself, and all that will be left is God, and you'll hear him loud and clear. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.